1: Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci & Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci & Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and & Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Vattucci
2: says don't invest and in forget. Invest and in forget. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money. Meet your financial goals and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, and investment advisor, Pat Fattucci of Vitucci & Associates. With over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, Pat specializes in personal and corporate investment management, with special emphasis on retirement planning.
3: Welcome to another edition of Don't Invest and Forget, the program that each and every week helps you keep your finger on the pulse of your money from Wall Street to Main Street to your wallet. Our host, 30-plus-year financial manager... Author and the principal of Vitucci and Associates, Pat Vitucci, well, Pat, we hear from our listeners, and it's quite interesting, sort of the cornucopia of folks out there in the audience, everything from folks already at retirement who tune in to receive insights and information about how to properly manage their retirement dollars to folks that are just getting started, other people that perhaps are married in the middle of their working career and have never taken the time to really sit down and develop a financial plan. They're not yet really certain how they're going to make it at retirement. For those folks, maybe you can spend some time today, Pat, taking a look at how to develop a financial strategy, or a financial plan?
4: Well, we probably have the ingredients in our house somewhere, Craig. In the bottom kitchen drawer is one statement, in the top bedroom drawer in your sock drawer is another statement.
3: (laughs) You've been going through my house again, haven't you?
4: (laughs) Your stock certificates are between the mattress. You have a a lockbox with a couple gold bars and grandma's ring and maybe a deed. In the garage in that hidden place behind the uh, 2 by 4s when my grandfather died, my grandmother found a whole bunch of money in, in the garage behind some 2 by 4s My point is we've got things strewn about. God forbid we die tomorrow, our family would be in complete disarray. But more importantly, let's hope for a long-lasting life, and we want to put together kind of a roadmap a financial plan that documents all these various pieces. For all of our clients, we prepare a financial plan, which is an inventory of all of our assets, all our liabilities. Kind of an eye opener, Craig. And many times when we prepare these, it's enlightening to the client. It's certainly all new to me when I see these, but they look as surprised as I do when I look at these numbers. It's like the first time they've ever looked at these numbers. It sounds like, Pat, one of the most
3: important key first steps is to gather all this information information together wherever you have it located or hidden or strewn about the house related to not just where your assets might be but your liabilities as well how much money do you owe on the house how much money is owed on the car payments really get that sense of what your assets are what your liabilities are as that all-important first step when they come in perhaps and sit down for a one-on-one meeting working toward developing a long-term financial plan.
4: The other thing I have to mention is we have found many prospects who call us and come in for that no-cost, no-obligation consultation. The stock certificates, which are negotiable securities, are many times not put in lock boxes, just kind of tucked away somewhere. And if they're lost, that money is gone. And I have seen clients walk in with folded envelopes that contain some very valuable stock certificates worth hundreds of thousands of dollars just kind of casually tossed about in with your PG&E bills and your Blue Cross and Blue Shield bills. Oh, by the way, what is this, Pat? And they bring out a stock certificate worth a lot of money. And here we are with some very important elements that can direct and drive a financial plan one way or the other. So I want to caution listeners to be very careful. You don't want to lose statements. There's not somebody that's going to call you tomorrow and say, hey, Craig, you know. they just don't make those calls.
3: All right. So once we've gathered together all that important information of our assets and our liabilities, what's the next important step, Pat, when it comes toward developing a plan toward retirement?
4: We really want to look at the assets and understand the risk levels. For certainly, do you have a lot of overlapping risk? Do you have too much in stocks or too much in bonds? Does it still fit your appetite for risk, given your age today? Well, what kind of risk levels should you take, and are they the right sectors of the market, given where the economy is today? We, we talk about don't invest and forget, it really speaks to what sectors are your monies in today and are they participating in this wonderful market that we're having. And that includes, by the way, Craig, old 401ks, old IRAs at the bank. You have a Roth at the credit union assets kind of strewn about. So you want to gather your assets together and put together a net worth statement. So clearly assets are the first primary ingredient. And then you look at your liabilities. What kind of mortgage debt do you have? Do you have Visa, MasterCard debt? Do you have a car loan? Do you have a boat loan? Do you have a motorcycle loan? And we want to look at what does that debt look like? So we look at your net worth statement, both assets and liabilities, and then build a roadmap to how to improve on either the asset growth or shrinking the liability side review of how to drive the debt number down and the asset number up.
3: Now, many of us watched our parents and our grandparents successfully retire, perhaps on a pension or Social Security alone. But that in recent years has changed dramatically, and many baby boomers really need to consider what they're going to do in addition to their Social Security check in order to retire.
4: And hopefully the answer, Craig, is not, I'm going to work until I'm 87 years old. We'd like to at least slow things down. Maybe our health will not even allow us to work beyond what used to be considered normal. I mean, this age of 65, you know, guess what? Our health is allowing us to work longer and we're getting value out of working, not just for money anymore. We frequently are in a position to work because we enjoy it. A lot of my clients enjoy working and don't necessarily need the money, but they enjoy the social experience and the value they're adding to people's lives. And so it really is a way to evaluate not only income management, but time management also comes into play, Craig
3: time management, that often is a big barrier for many investors today. They simply don't have the time to sort of mind the store, so to speak, and so they take the autopilot approach. They maybe establish a 401k at work or set up an IRA, start setting money aside. They've bought a plan here or there, and then it's been years since they've gone back and revisited the performance of those plans. How dangerous is that?
4: Well, it's dangerous, and guess what? It's very common. Sadly, people are very diligent and studious in saving money, but they may not be passionate or interested enough to redeploy where those dollars are going. And so to redirect, to adjust that portfolio as often as we need to based on changing market conditions. Don't invest and forget simply says what was a good idea last quarter Maybe a terrible idea this quarter, large company stocks sometimes are very favorable and sometimes small company stocks or bonds or mortgages or utilities or emerging markets is sometimes the preferred place to have our clients' monies. And so many times, if you're an engineer, you're you're a doctor, you're a plumber, you're a teacher, you're very passionate about the work you do, and you may not have any passion in readjusting your portfolio. It's not a question of being smart enough to. You just don't have the time or the energy or the passion to reflect on where the markets are going today. And that's where we want to grow the money in good markets and preserve it in declining markets.
3: And that really is critically important because, as you point out, Pat, so often folks just simply don't have the time or perhaps, Pat, don't have a sense of confidence in the decisions that they might make related to the purchase of stocks and bonds and their appetite for risk and what exactly is a good balanced portfolio for them. And then to sit there and to invest the time weekly, monthly,
4: managing the performance of that portfolio. Craig, I think you hit it right on the head. It's really the confidence. It's not a question of intelligence. It's the confidence that they have today to make those reallocations. And and we end up procrastinating. And meanwhile, market sectors come and market sectors go in terms of how favorable they are today. And sadly, we get a lot of listeners come in and they come in. It's like confession. I have to admit, Pat, I invested and forgot. I wanted to do it, but You know, I was tired at nine o'clock at night when I finally sat down to watch a half an hour of the news, and you're not going to sit there and figure out, okay, should I move my money from large caps to small caps or to bond funds? You got to do it with a fresh mind, and first thing in the morning, you're off running to work or weekends, you've got a lot of activities going on. And so it tends to be the last thing you do or you don't do it at all.
3: Now, if folks would like to schedule one of those financial life checkups, what does it cost for that?
4: Greg, there's a whopping cost of zero dollars. It's a public service. We are an educational radio show. We like to bring good ideas to our listeners. And guess what? In most cases, after we do that free financial checkup, we can many times find ways and improve performance, improve it from so many angles. Because in many cases, either we've provided some value to that listener, we are confident that many of those listeners who come in will see some value in our services. To take
3: advantage of that complimentary financial health and retirement plan review that Pat spoke of just a moment ago, why not call toll free Triple Eight Plan Wise? That's eight 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 P L A N W I S E. Easier still, you can schedule your appointment conveniently online by going to Don't That's Don't dot com. In addition to scheduling your appointment online, you'll also find a number of resources available through the Investor Education tab, including articles and topics such as what we've discussed today on the program. Again, that's Don'tInvestAndForget.com to get more information or to schedule your complimentary appointment in any of the Bay Area offices of Vitucci and Associates. Don'tInvestAndForget.com. Don'tInvestAndForget.com.
2: Fratucci says, "Don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. invest
4: and forget." My very special guest today, Ron Blue, author of sixteen books on personal finance, including his bestseller "Mastering Your Money" and his most recent book, "Splitting Heirs." Ron, welcome to the show.
5: Delighted to be here, Pat. Thank you for asking me,
4: Ron. Your recent book, "Splitting Heirs," and it's H E. I-R-S, is giving your money and things to your children without ruining their lives. Wow, how telling is that? How many times have I seen in my 30-plus years in this business mom and dad's best intentions of giving kids money, and it just ruins their life?
5: Uh, Unfortunately, that's all too common a story. And, you know, one of our principles in the books is that if you transfer uh, wealth without wisdom, you're almost guaranteed to destroy the child. Whereas if you transfer wisdom, wisdom can create wealth, but wealth rarely creates wisdom. So there's a paradox there. And unfortunately, uh, we see it way too often.
4: Ron, in your book, you mentioned there's $41 trillion, trillion trillion with a T, will pass to the next generation in the next 50 years. And yet this is not any topic on the six o'clock news that I've ever seen.
5: No, and as a matter of fact, Pat, it's uh, estimated that number could be as high as $135 trillion.
4: That's a lot of zeroes.
5: That's a lot of zeros. <laughs> when we're in the process of that right now, uh, the boomer generation transferring uh, their wealth, we know right now today in America, there's $41 trillion worth of wealth. So that amount will be transferred to the next generation as these generations die off. And over time, that $41 trillion can uh, double and triple. So a so, lot of money going to the next generation.
4: What are some of the components in this book that make this different from a regular, just an estate planning book for the super rich? Everybody's looking to reduce estate taxes. What are some of the things you cover in this book?
5: Well, I think that the big difference between this and an estate planning book would be that it begins with the assumption that wealth transfer can begin right now and it considers as its first priority the impact on the beneficiaries whereas estate planning is typically deals with what happens at death and after death and it's really more focused on the donor as opposed to the beneficiary in terms of them passing their wealth what i found is that the consequence to the beneficiaries my children grandchildren or charitable organizations can be really devastating without some pre-thought given to the consequences. So it's a different paradigm. It starts with the paradigm of thinking, if I transfer this wealth to you name the beneficiary, what's its impact going to be on them? That's a different paradigm to begin with. The whole tools and techniques that estate planning employs are legitimate, but there are about five decisions down in terms of the process.
4: There are so many references to money uh, more than probably any other topic. It's not the love of money. It's the love of what the utility of money can provide in terms of charities or doing good. Mr. Gates is probably our poster child for doing the right thing with his wealth and helping those less fortunate. This book really talks about the utility of the money beyond. It's not just a how to avoid tax issue. It's really what happens when your child receives that big chunk of money. Does it demotivate he or she to now sit back or sit on the beach in Hawaii?
5: This is something that I not only wrote the book, but I've personally been through it and practiced it. And uh, Judy and I, my wife and I, we have five children that we've raised. We now have 11 grandchildren. And we began this wealth transfer discussion by asking ourselves the question, if we give, and we named the child, if we give this child pick the number, you know, a million dollars, half a million dollars, $100,000, whatever number it is, what is the worst thing that can happen to them if, in fact, we do that? And then we ask a second question, well, how serious is that consequence? And third is, what's the probability of it occurring? So if I take my own family, uh, Pat, as an illustration, if I've got my oldest daughter is married to an entrepreneur. My second daughter is married to a banker. My uh, third daughter uh, went through a divorce and has just been remarried. Uh, then, our fourth child is a son who's in who's a school teacher and our fifth is a son who's a an attorney. Well, when you ask the question what's the worst thing that can happen, I get five different answers with the five children that I've got. For example, I think one of the most telling is that my uh, second daughter, married a guy that grew up very poor in Alabama. She met him in college and he has an intense need to provide for his family. That's just an intrinsic value that he grew up with and gone to college, paid for his own way through college. uh, And he's done very well professionally. If we had left a number of years ago, a significant sum of money to that daughter, it would have had a tremendous impact on her relationship with her husband. Well, how serious is that? That's a really serious consequence.
4: When you say serious issue, are you speaking uh, negative?
5: Very negative. It would have taken away his ability to provide for his family because they wouldn't have needed the money anymore. And he had an intense need to provide for his family. You
4: would kill his drive.
5: Kill his drive. So that's really serious. And then we ask ourselves the question, how likely is that to occur? And here's an interesting thing about the whole process, if you will. If I'd have answered that question for that daughter 10 years ago, I would have said it was about 100% probability because they had they were just starting their family. They were just getting going. They were buying their first home. Well, 10 years later, this young guy has now made it in terms of becoming successful in the banking business. And today, the likelihood of that occurring is different than what it would have been 10 years ago. And I suspect 10 years from now, it'll be even different. And the point being, as you know, that date planning, wealth transfer planning is an ongoing process really that never ends because the answers to your questions change over time too.
4: And so does that suggest your living trust or will, whichever you have, really needs to be evaluated based on your children's lives changing and their perspective on inheritances change? And as your grandchildren numbers grow, that really needs a reevaluation, if you will.
5: Absolutely does, because I would never counsel, and I did not with my own planning, would never have disinherited, if you will, a a young child because you don't know what their needs might be. But now as my kids reach adulthood, they are adults, their needs have changed, and frankly, they're all doing well enough that we can give most of our estate to charitable organizations. And over time, when we see how these 11 kids develop, grandkids develop, we may change our thinking on on it also. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to ruin my grandkids either.
4: So we've got this longevity issue of we're all living longer. Does that change inheritance planning?
5: Absolutely it does, because the circumstances change. I'm 65 now, and assuming that I I live for another 20 years, which I'm in great health vocationally, I am really uh, having a best time of my life. If I live another 20 years, you know, my oldest daughter will be 60 and my oldest grandchild will be 33. Well, that circumstance is a lot different than where I am today. So I I need to be rethinking this on an annual basis at the very least.
4: And there's a 92% probability you or Judy, your wife, will live to age 92.
5: One of the principles in the book is to do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. I like that. Point being that if you're going to transfer wealth, it's better to be, it's really better to do it while you're living than at death because you can see the consequence of it and your heirs and beneficiaries and charitable organizations have a greater opportunity to use that you really don't need anymore. Please, let
4: me emphasize that tax and legal professionals are not a part of Vittucci Associate Associates staff, but we refer to professionals versed in those disciplines. My special guest today, Ron Blue, an author of 16 books on personal finance, including his bestseller, Master Your Money, and his most recent book, Splitting Heirs*. Ron, this is a great title, Splitting Heirs*. H-E-I-R-S, and we're really talking about how to provide to our children without ruining their lives. What are your feelings about giving equally to each heir? Is there some formula or the one child is not a good money manager? Do you leave more to that one or less to that one?
5: (laughs) I think, first of all, you have to believe the last decision that I get to make is who's the next steward. If I think of it that way, it frees me up to also think about those that are going to inherit it. And there's a principle in the book, Pat, that we found, Raising Five Children, that if we love our children equally, we will treat them uniquely. And by that, I mean, my kids have different personalities. They have different needs. And as they were raised, that was obvious. And today, as adults, their needs are significantly different from one another. For example, when my third daughter I went through a divorce about five or six years ago, and she was a single mom, she her needs were tremendously different from her two older sisters who were both married to, to guys that were doing pretty well financially. And so Judy and I said... And and now we're we're talking about wealth transfer. We're not talking about estate planning. And so we felt like we wanted to help that daughter uh, through some really tough, tough times. And we did. And communicated to our other children that because we loved them just as much as we loved uh, the daughter going through the divorce, that if they ever fell into, had a problem, we'd, of course, help them. But we did not feel like, because we helped our third daughter, that we had any obligation to do the same for them. And we had a child who had a need that we treated uniquely because we loved every one of them equally. So that's kind of how it works itself out. And it also works itself out in terms of using the resources now, as opposed to leaving it all at death. She needed the help right then. And so we that's the principle behind it.
4: So I admire your children. I mean, in many families that, that I've counseled where situations like that come up on as you well know, it could get pretty ugly in that, wait a minute, you love this one more than that one, more than me. Now you owe me some of that because you gave it to this child and you can get into some really uh, awkward positions unless you just take that firm position and say, look, this child needs this right now. And if you should need something.
5: Well, I think that the way that our kids handled that, you know, began with our training them when they were young sure. Uh, with that. And fortunately, that this principle of loving them equally and as a consequence, treating them uniquely, that's not new. We didn't make that up. But now, I will say this, we continue to communicate it to them. And we have a family conference about once a year with all of the kids and their spouses. Uh, and we talk about our philosophy on money and principles on money so that they're not I don't want them to be surprised when the will's read.
4: Some folks are so focused on specificity in the living trust that they could be accused of managing their children's lives from the grave by doling out money at times when certain milestones are reached. And so there's this criticism I've heard from children who inherit money that I'm still putting up with mom or dad's philosophy from the grave because they've stipulated through a trust or through some other fiduciary that these milestones have to be hit in order for me to be released X more dollars. What is your thinking along those lines?
5: Number one, One, I think that the attempt to control wealth beyond the grave is foolish. Number one, it's really, really difficult to do that. You can build all these trusts and requirements and so forth. But over time, that's all going to disappear. I don't think that you're going to really care about that. And I think that if you can't trust your children and you're trying to control their decisions, then you shouldn't be leaving wealth to them at all. You're probably going to mess them up if you're that concerned about it. I really advise it. I say basically when you're doing gifting, if it's to a charity or to your children, while you're alive or at death, do it with no strings attached. I will say this that I've counseled many people, and Judy and I just redid our wills, and our kids are now adults, so they could get the money in the event of our death now. But if one of them dies, what we've said for for our grandkids is we want to disperse, not under set conditions, but at certain ages.
4: Ron, there's a wonderful tool called the Charitable Remainder Trust, where you actually have the opportunity to give away your money during your lifetime and watch your blessings work for you right in front of you, instead of waiting until you're long gone, and then giving money away to charitable groups. Talk to Alicia a little bit about that whole idea.
5: Well, the whole idea of the charitable remainder trust is that that may be an asset that is that you need to live out the rest of your life in terms of the income off of it. But at death, you don't need it anymore, and you've chosen that a charity is going to get it. And so you can put some wealth into a charitable remainder trust, and the charity gets whatever is left, and you get a tax deduction for uh, that's based upon a formula immediately. I can get a tax deduction. I can give it away, but I can still have it, if you will, in terms of the income off of it over the rest of my life but charity ends up with it at some point. It's a great, great tool.
4: It's kind of having your cake and eating it too.
5: It really is. You get the deduction, you get the use of the money, but charity ends up ultimately with the month. Great, great tool.
4: Here's the $64,000 question. How much is enough? How much money will you need the rest of your life?
5: Well, I'd tell you, it's a function, first of all, of lifestyle. And how much is enough is a lot less if you've got a lesser lifestyle than if you've got a really consumptive lifestyle. So it begins with how much is enough in terms of the lifestyle that I've chosen. And once I know the answer to that question, then I can mathematically figure out how much is enough. I can use somebody like yourself as a financial advisor to run the calculations to say, if my life expectancy is 92, how much money am I going to need? Mathematically, you can calculate it. My uh, friend Bob Buford wrote a book called Halftime. He and I talked about this. He said, I figured out how much I'd need to live out the rest of my life. I doubled it and I gave everything else away. I said, you know what? That works. I think people would give a lot more away if they had established a finish line on both their lifestyle and their accumulation. They would have a lot more to give away.
4: You know, what? throws the monkey wrench into soon-to-be retirees with all the boomers coming of age is the fact that the social security system is weak. The uh, pension systems are going away. Healthcare costs are rising and it's more incumbent upon new retirees to handle those themselves. A lot more decisions, a lot more reserve, if you will, needs to be set aside compared to perhaps our parents. Their lifestyles were more modest because they were more prudent with the dollar. They had pensions and social security represents a larger percentage of their current income. And so a lot more questions for this whole new group of retirees coming up? Uh,
5: Unfortunately, that's all too common a story, and there's a paradox there, and unfortunately, uh, we see it way too often.
4: My special guest today, Ron Blue, an author of 16 books on personal finance let me make this crystal clear. Vittucci and Associates. We are not attorneys. We are not equipped to give legal advice. I would highly encourage you to hire a licensed attorney that specializes in estate planning issues. If you need a referral for a qualified estate planning attorney, call our offices. We will give you recommendations. Any questions? Call us personally. Triple eight Plan Wise. That's eight 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 P L A N W I S E, or go to our website. Don't invest and com. That's don't invest and forget. Pat
2: Fittucci says, Don't invest and, forget. invest and forget. Invest and forget.
3: On this edition of Don't Invest and Forget, Pat Fettucci walking us through some of the critical risks to avoid going to and through retirement. I know, Pat, one of your major pet peeves is the concern over folks that are either not insured at all or inadequately insured. Speak to that point if you would.
4: Long-term care expenses is always a threat to a portfolio. We know a long-term care confinement, a nursing home confinement, can be as much as ten grand a month. That can erode even the best-funded portfolio. And so we've got to be real cautious about, should I buy one of those expensive long-term care policies? Or am I going to decide to self-fund it? It's a consideration that needs some serious arithmetic. And we do that for our clients on a regular basis. You've got to have some emergency money. Just like in life and retirement, there are unexpected major expenses. Your car is going to break down. Your furnace is going to go. Your water heater. Kids are going to need help. Maybe there's a medical issue that needs nursing in your home. So unexpected major expenses Can have another threat to retirement. There's a myth we will spend less in retirement. And I want to reinforce it is a myth. I have seen many clients over my 30 plus years have wonderful times spending money on cruises and trips to Europe and trips to Hawaii and fancy cars. You'll spend differently. There's no question. You're not going to be spending in the same patterns when you're working. But there is a myth that you will be spending less in retirement. Think of retirement as three 10 year periods. There's the go go period. That's the first 10 years vacationing, and traveling, and playing tennis and playing golf. And it's like Disneyland for adults. The second 10 years are called the slow go years. You're slowing down a little bit. You're not traveling as much, having more doctor's appointments, maybe getting some treatments for this or that. So you're going to spend less. And then the last 10 years are the no go years. You're not going many places. You're watching a whole lot more TV you're sitting on the front porch. Understandably, your spending patterns change considerably. You're spending much more money on medical treatments, prescriptions, perhaps, maybe physical therapy. Think of your life as the next 30 years in 10-year increments, the go-go years, the slow-go years, and the no-go years. Another threat to your retirement is taking a loan out on your 401k later in your life. It's... Pretty significant dent in your retirement nest egg when you take a loan out on your 401k or your 403b. Certainly if there's medical reasons that you need to, certainly it makes sense, but you don't want to take a loan out to put a swimming pool in your backyard or take that trip to Hawaii or give kids some money for a down payment on a house or buy them a car. Those are really threats to your ongoing issues. How about being, being too conservative in your investing portfolio, that's always an issue. You've got to take some risk, some exposure to stock markets. My gosh, look at the last year. I mean, it's just been an incredible year. Albeit it was a very unusual year. We shouldn't get lulled into thinking we're always going to make 25%. It is very odd. But when the markets go crazy like they have for the last year, you kind of need to participate because guess what? The next year or two might be the exact opposite. That's an issue. What age is the right age to retire? Retiring too early can have a profound effect on the chunk of money you're going to live on. If you live to be 80, 90, 100, will your money last? Have you done the, the full review of the practicality of how long your money is going to last? We've got some really sophisticated software that will give you probability of success of not running out of money. It's really worked well for a lot of our clients for many, many years. And it's scary true numbers. It's not through rose-colored glasses. It's really a reality check. So if you if you have any guess about will my money last me, give us a call. We'll run your numbers through our software, and I'll give you a brutally honest answer.
3: Pat, you touched on a number of really key points that all of us need to be mindful of when it comes to protecting the wealth that we have built, that nest egg to carry us to and through retirement, and avoiding all the risks that we can reasonably avoid along the way. I would suppose that part of that risk protection is also to make sure that we are in fact properly protected. You'd spoke about some key types of insurance like long-term care insurance, but what about other arenas of life that require insurance like life insurance or adequate property
4: insurance? Yeah, nobody nobody likes insurance. Nobody likes to pay for insurance, you know, just insurance has a bad bad stigma. But you're absolutely right. <clears throat> Without adequate Life insurance, I mean, we're all going to die someday. What happens to your pension? Does your surviving spouse continue with that pension or does it die with you? How about property and casualty? Is your home adequately protected for earthquakes or other kinds of catastrophes? Condos are notoriously a place where retirees end up living parts of the last part of their life. What kind of shape is your condo association in should devastation happen? Is it properly funded? Is it properly reserved? If you're still working, do you have disability coverage? You're a physician or an attorney or any, any, anybody with a special skill, and you can't conduct business as usual because of a disability, do you have disability coverage? Really important stuff, but again, it's not sexy to talk about insurance, especially when you're on a limited budget. But, my gosh, they're really key issues. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Craig. I guess the last item I'd like to touch on is inflation. This year, particularly, we're going to have upwards of 5% inflation. They're talking about a cost of living adjustment for Social Security checks starting January of 2022. It would be in the neighborhood of 5%. It's been normally one nothing percent adjustment to your Social Security check, which generally means, you know, $12.18. But this year, they're talking about a 5% bump up on our Social Security checks. So we can't ignore inflation. Is your portfolio keeping up with inflation? Again, having some exposure to the stock markets, which generally keep up with inflation. And the last item, I think, is non-financial thing. But I've been coaching retirees for 30 years. And I got to tell you, about half of them, about 50%, flunk retirement. They get bored They go back to work in some way, shape, or form. So what is your plan for activity in retirement? Boredom sets in after the second week. I mean, it really creeps up pretty fast. You wake up at seven o'clock, you have your coffee, you read the paper watch the news. It's 8.30, nobody emails you anymore. Nobody texts you anymore. You don't get voicemails, your voicemail. You keep checking, there's nobody there. What do you do? You've got to have a plan whether you're going to donate your time, to your passion. You're going to help out in some way, shape or form. You can't play golf every day. You can't play tennis every day. You can't play pickleball every day. Your body just doesn't allow it. So you've got to have some plan of action to keep you motivated and keep you strong and keep you intellectually engaged. Statistics say in the first year, a large percentage of people will have a heart attack in the first year because they've, they've not adjusted to retirement. And so... Before you retire, put together a real serious plan of action. You can't keep alphabetizing the herb tray in your kitchen. You can't clean the garage out every week. My idea of cleaning my garage out, I move everything from the left side to the right side and I sweep it out and I feel good. You can't do that every other week. That just doesn't work. You'll drive your spouse crazy by hanging around. You can't hang out with your kids. They've got lives. They're busy. So it'd be nice to think you're going to see them every day, but that's not going to happen. So lots of interesting threats to retirement. Give our offices a call if any of those items I've touched on kind of resonates with you. We'd be glad to walk you through some of those things. We've been coaching retirees for over 30 years. We've seen a lot of successful retirements. And I said, we've seen people... Fail. And so you want to make sure that doesn't happen to you.
3: To take advantage of that complimentary financial health and retirement plan review that Pat spoke of just a moment ago, why not call toll free Triple Eight Plan Wise? That's eight 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 P L A N W I S E. Easier still, you can schedule your appointment conveniently online by going to don't invest and forget dot com. That's don't invest and forget dot com. In addition to scheduling your appointment online, you'll also find a number of resources available through the Investor Education tab, including articles and topics such as what we've discussed today on the program. Again, that's don'tinvestandforget.com to get more information or to schedule your complimentary appointment in any of the Bay Area offices of Vitucci and Associates. Don'tinvestandforget.com.
2: You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with author and investment advisor, Pat Vitucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of the area offices of Attucci and Associates near you, go to Don'tInvestAndForget.com. That's Don'tInvestAndForget.com. Or call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888 P L A N W I S E, Or visit Don'tInvestAndForget.com.
1: Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci & Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci & Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vittucci and & Associates, and United Planners Financial Services
0: are not affiliated.